And welcome to the Underpaid and Underqualified podcast show with your host, John Vince. Back. Woo. Back in black. Yeah. Back in the saddle. Back. Woo. Back to the future. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of any more words with back. So, uh, yeah, this might be the fifth time me and John. Baby got it. back. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's the best one. See, took five takes to record this, but uh, yeah. They don't so need to know that. <laughs> well, they do now. We're all about honesty, right, John? And professionalism. <laughs> clearly um yeah so you might have noticed a few weeks ago we took one week off um you know the world's not in a great place in a lot of places right now so uh that was kind of the reason we did it and uh technically we did release an episode last week but feels like a break for us because we didn't actually do an episode last week right y'all we just kind of released oh. that edm one it was great what did i do last week oh yeah we, re- we released the edm one but also played a lot of destiny which i've been doing all week i may have clocked in about 50 hours in the last eight days so you've been doing 40 hours of work 50 hours of destiny that's 90 hours that's pretty solid sure <laughs> not 40 hours sure <laughs> i don't know if my coworkers listen to my podcast because some a couple of them like follow me on instagram before i deactivated everything ah so it's like i don't know if they know or aware so sure <laughs> Oh, I actually don't know what direction this is going, so I'll ask you off the podcast <laughs> at the risk of you not getting let go. Sure. <laughs> That's going to be the new canned response when we don't have anything to say. Sure. Anyways, it's great. I've been playing 50 hours. <laughs> I haven't you... really been stopping. Do you, like, close your eyes and you see images of the video game in your mind, too? I plan what I should do next before I log on because I have a lot of quests. So for people who don't know what this is, and I recommend for people who are still stuck indoors, especially if you are in the Bay Area, because a lot of the uh, restrictions are still on the more um, strict side. And for a lot of people, they don't really feel comfortable going out. And I really don't encourage any of you fuckers go out because (laughs) we have basically wave number two happening. With that said, um, no, so it's an... MMO. So for people who don't know what that is, it's basically think of it like an online game where you kind of progress through different things as kind of like quests. Like a, there's a story behind it and you can also do personal stuff on your own to uh, do player versus player type content as well. Um, so for me, just because like this game's been out for a few years and they have a lot of content already released, I'm kind of playing catch up. And so there's a sale right now on for their all their expansion stuff so i also bought in on that at first i was like i'm gonna do all the free stuff and then i'll decide if i want to buy the paid stuff but my friend was like there's a sale you might as well just buy it now so i did and so yeah so i was going through a lot of the content and just um leveling up my character to be able to do things a little bit more easier and faster because then it becomes like i'm breezing through it and my equipment when i by the time i get the new equipment it's higher level and so for a lot of people, it's like, all right, if you need something to kind of like kill time, something, a new hobby, the main game is free. So you can download it for Xbox, PlayStation, or PC. And Would it work on a PlayStation 2? <laughs> um, no. All right. <laughs> Not going to be playing then. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most up-to-date game system I have. <laughs> well, with that said, the PS5 came out. That is true. I did see it. Yeah, a lot of hype about that. Are you excited? Um, yes and no, in the sense of like, because I'm a cheap person where it's like, oh, she, okay, when this game, when this console is going to come out, it's going to be super expensive. It's going to be, uh, uh, what you call it? 
I'm still going to be playing my old games for PlayStation 4. There's usually going to be a year for me to adopt, and it's like, dang it, I'm going to have some FOMO for those reasons. But I'm going to probably be shelling out money eventually once it goes on sale. Hmm. What's the current price at? Have they announced? Let's see. They have not announced, actually. It says uh, analyst predictions have placed the PS5 price in the region of $499 USD. So the funny thing about that is that um, they have not released the price because they had a three, two-hour release live feed uh, showing new games and the actual um, console. But then um, when people ask, oh, so how much is the price? They didn't answer. They still don't know. They still won't tell. Wow. So, so the internet is joking. It's going to be like seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars, but analysts say it's about going to be ballpark five hundred. So we'll see. That seems appropriate for what I guess something like that would be. Yeah. So that's that's a fair price, but the internet has gone kind of like, and also there's been a lot of memes coming out with it, like oh the uh, the the new PS5 looks like a router, or it looks like a tower fan, or it looks like a binder <laughs> with like the outside looks like a binder and inside is just like contents. Um, you know Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, kind of. Yeah, it looks like that. Yeah, he's the brown hair guy. It looks like him with his white coat. Oh yeah, I could kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So people have uh, done a meme of like his the PS5 on top of Cell's head, but in like his color from Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) Oh yeah, and then they all also done the Pope. So yeah, the the internet's gone crazy with it, and other like nerd culture, and then Rule Thirty Four has been invoked. What's that? Uh, Sounds like a Star Wars reference. If it can be sexualized on the internet, it's probably already been done. Oh, that's the rule 34? Yeah, that's rule 34. Oh, man, I just learned something. That reminds me of something totally unrelated that I learned on Urban Dictionary and I'm debating whether or not we should say, do you have have PG friends listen to this podcast? PG friends. Uh, We talk about mildly sexual content. (laughs) Dude, I feel like if we are already swearing and we're talking about dating apps and our experiences, though that is relatively mild on the grand scheme of things, I don't think it matters too much. All right. Well, in that case, I'm just going to dive head first in. <laughs> so I learned about an urban dictionary concept that blew my mind, but ultimately wasn't that exciting. But uh, have you ever, you ever uh, heard of something called the stranger? <laughs> the stranger. Yes. No. All right, so it might be different than what you'd expect. So basically what it involves is sitting on your hand, um, whatever hand is preferred, you know, what your dominant hand is uh, until it goes numb, and then using that to, uh, (laughs) you know, do some uh, happy time alone. (laughs) And uh, the idea is the fact that it's numb makes it feel like it's not you doing it. It makes it feel like it's somebody else. (laughs) So it's supposed to give extra arousal. Oh, I think I saw that recently, and I skimmed it, and I don't – I have a bad habit of like when I'm reading something, I don't like, I usually just skim it. And I think I read about that this week. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's funny when you said you saw it, I was worried for a second to be like, <laughs> your roommate's really very open doors with that type of thing. <laughs> also, with that said, how does that relate to what were we talking about before? When you said, or when you said the rule 34. Oh, rule 34. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, how did we get here? <laughs> we went from PS5 to rule 34 to. A stranger no because uh i think that's rule 34 i didn't think it'd be sexualist <laughs> i just exemplified that well it's more for like which i'm calling like if there's a sexualized version version of it so um what is uh like oftentimes it's anytime that there's a, any type of anime right there's people joke about rule 34 because chances are once that's re- 
once that anime or whatever that new character is released, there's going to be some type of like hentai version of it or something. And so with PS4, PS5 coming out, people basically made it into like a uh, avatar of a of a girl and stuff like that. Oh jeez, that's creepy. Yep. yep, and that's the internet for you. That's a, that's that's like the early developings of Westworld, like <laughs> that comparison between technology and a compet like somebody a companion. Ugh. Yeah, so that's rule thirty four. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> transition onto another topic. So, uh, otherwise, how's your week been, Jeff? A lot of destiny. A lot of destiny. No TV watching. Okay. So, oh, this is something I really want to praise, but also like completely trash talk. Um, Interesting. So, you know the CW Arrowverse? Uh, yeah, I never watched those shows. I think they're crap. Okay. So, the the we'll get the crap part out of the way first. Um, okay. The acting is bad. The episodes are formulaic. It's basically like, oh, I have, there's a new superhero. Boom. You need supporting casts. And they get like superpowers from random reasons or something like that that they never wanted or something like that. Basically, like they get the powers as repercussions of the main character. And they kind of like everybody can be a superhero, right? Yeah. And it becomes like a whole like they're part of this family now because we're together and we solve crimes and we fight other uh, supervillains. Yeah. It becomes a lot of that. And it becomes like this emotional drama thing that we really don't need. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, fine, whatever. Um, so it started out strong with a lot of it because it was super interesting, but then it, it went downhill it, really quick. Well, it's branched off to five, six different series of doing the same damn thing, just with different people. Okay. Um, so that's what I hate about it. But what I want to praise about it is I recently got into the uh, Crisis on uh, Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of comic book stuff, that's a major event in DC. And it's where they consolidate a lot of the... Um, so in DC Comics back then, there are too many different comic books, too many different worlds. And after Crisis of Earths, they combined everything together and consolidated like a consistent timeline of like old, new, superheroes, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And with this is that they did something that Marvel won't do, the MCU won't do. And Make what that a really is, bad TV show? <laughs> no, what they did was like they took characters from other TV shows together. So they took the original cast from Smallville. They made a cameo. They took a cast from uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, in there as as Batman in in the in this arc. Mm-hmm. Um, they even got Ezra Miller, who plays the Flash in the uh, actual movie series, as a cameo in there. Uh, Lucifer from the TV show, technically Lucifer has absolutely nothing to do with the Arrowverse, but... um, But it's got Tom Welling? (laughs) No, but because there is a Lucifer in the DC universe. Like an actual, like, canon character alongside Superman. They never had a crossover, but they're in the same universe. Mm, They took that character from that TV show in there. Um, They even got cameos, well, mini cameos from other heroes, like titans uh doom patrol stargirl which is on the different network mm-hmm. mentioned and somewhat like cameoed in there mm. so that's something that like people have like wished marvel will do which is like you know how there's three different spider-men to do like into the spider-verse but real life but chances of them actually doing it is slim to none so as crappy as the arrowverse is for a comic book person who's who's watched a lot of this stuff 
it's to see all of it together. Like they got the original Flash from like the what, 80s or 70s TV show. Mm-hmm. Cameo a lot during the Flash series, but also had a, a big part in the um, this crossover event. And so it, this series happened uh, a few months ago, mm-hmm. but I'm just watching it now because COVID. <laughs> like I have nothing better to do. And I was like, all right, fine. I might as well watch it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I really appreciate. And oh my gosh, the acting is terrible and hot garbage. <laughs> but I mean, that's just kind of cheap, honestly. That's just like, okay, we know our show's crap, so let's just do the most low hanging fruit. Okay, let's get everyone together. I mean, it's, yeah, it is flashy. It is kind of entertaining. Like all those things you mentioned, like I do remember hearing about when, like, Ezra Miller was, is that the that movie guy, Ezra Miller? Yeah. Yeah, when he was on the TV show. And then I do remember hearing when, uh, they did the Smallville thing where they got Tom Welling and then uh, Brandon Routh on the episode. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm jaded and don't like those episodes. But, I mean, I think we're on the same page that the acting's terrible and they're not that great. <laughs> it is. And I don't think it's really a gimmick. I think it's I think it's cool that they were able to do it. But I think it's just a CW thing, you know? Yeah, CW has a very distinct kind of, like, it's, it's very trashy. It's kind of like the McDonald's of TV. <laughs> it's kind of like if you're in, um, it's really geared towards middle age or high school early college that's what it feels like yeah and but that aside trash talking aside because i was in the beginning but what you call it that's something i was like oh my gosh there's that cameo oh my gosh there's that cameo and for me who's like i i'm into comic books and stuff like that so it's it's really great to see the only thing i wish they had was mark hamill who plays luke skywalker but also the voice of the joker Mm. i would have flipped out yeah, that Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill in the same scene physically there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but for me, like, I'm, it, it doesn't really get me excited unless I'm like into the story. I like, it's kind of cool and flashy for a second, but I do actually mildly disagree and think that it is kind of a gimmick. But hey, we disagree on things, right? It happens. <laughs> yeah, but this is cool because it's nerdy stuff. <laughs> I guess. Uh, you can't take yeah. this away from me. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long answer too. I haven't even said anything about my week. Oh, so how's your week? We go good, actually. Uh, last week I was 27, now I'm 28. Whoa, what's about hey, that? Hey, happy birthday. Happy belated birthday. Thanks, man. You said it on my birthday. I was impressed. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Conversation? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I would have known it was your birthday unless I reactivated my Facebook. Yeah, I thought, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I don't know if John knows because I think I said birthday plans, but I don't think it was clear whether that was me or Christine. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't make. You didn't tell me like exactly like when is your birthday per se. So then I was like, but I just happen to know like just <laughs> off the cuff. You know, it's kind of funny actually. There is like, cause you know, less and less people are using Facebook nowadays. So like, that's kind of the cue that you see someone's birthday. And there was like two, two or three people that usually wish me happy birthday that didn't say it this year. So I posted a photo on Instagram mentioning something about it in the caption. And then two out of three of those people actually were like, Oh, I forgot to say it. I was like, it worked. <laughs> Black friends. <laughs> Facebook. Well, that's the only reason why not use Facebook. Either Messenger to sell stuff or what else? Birthdays. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I, dude, I'm the worst at remembering birthdays. I barely remember my parents. It took me like longer than it should have. <laughs> um, no, what a terrible son. I, it's just a terrible memory, man. I'm, I'm a great person. <laughs> it's just my memory. No. Um, yeah. Otherwise, no week's been good. I've been binging a lot of TV. Um, no surprise there. Let's see. What did I binge? You ever watch a show that like you just want to see because people say it's a classic, but you don't actually enjoy it at all, but you're like, people love this. So I want to give it a try. I get the impression. Not so much. I feel like half our show is about that. 
Really? Half our like, shows about like we talk about so, like stuff we don't get. <laughs> yeah, we literally had a whole show about that, and it's like we watch shows and we just didn't care for it when people told us. That's actually a good point, but I guess the only reason I preface that is because I feel like you don't do that so much. Like, you'll watch a show, like, two episodes in, you'll be like, this is boring, and then you just turn it off. <laughs> yeah, no, because I'd rather not waste my time anymore. Exactly. Well, I always wonder that, like, there's been shows where I, like, hate it for the first two seasons and just put up with it, and then the third season, something will click, and it'll, like, look at the story in a different way, and then it'll make the first two seasons enjoyable. So I'm way too gratuitous to TV, so I watched the show called Mr. Show. <laughs> it's uh, Bob Odenkirk. You know him from Better Call, Better Call Saul, right? No, I never saw Better Call Saul, but then is that the main actor? Yeah. Okay. And then do you know Tobias from Arrested Development? No. Bald guy, David Cross. Did you watch Arrested Development? Like a f- couple episodes. I thought it was enjoyable, but I just never kept up with it. Okay. But you know the bald guy with the glasses? No, I don't <laughs> recall, Google to be him. honest. Okay, Honestly, fine. You'll, you'd probably, he was on Community one episode. You'd uh, recognize him if you saw him. But uh, yeah, they had a sketch show in the 90s, and I. <laughs> I binged all 30 episodes and enjoyed absolutely none of it. <laughs> so that's one show I watched. Just hoping that maybe it got good by the end. But I don't know. I think it was just a case of one of those shows that's not for me. But uh, otherwise, good comedies. Been watching uh, Flight of the Concords. You have not heard of that, right? That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's two New Zealand guys. It's kind of a, used to be a kind of a cult, like really dry humor thing. But it's basically, it's kind of like the Lonely Island, but like put it to like, uh, like really mellow alternative <laughs> indie rock with like two new zealand guys um but yeah it was a show that was on hbo for two seasons it's super dry humor but it's basically the, the their band is called flight of the Concords, and they're just like idiots and just the driest of humor and just like you know two guys in new york like trying to get gigs and trying to get laid and they can never get gigs and they're always like doing like just dumb stuff and not getting girls so i don't know it's a really good show though highly recommend it i think you might actually like it i don't know you're are you into the dry humor usually I like The Office. Okay, this is about as dry as that, I'd say. <laughs> like, The Office started out dry, right? So you gotta get through that. Yeah, it did start out dry. I think, you know, my friend was actually saying he doesn't consider The Office dry because he got so into it, but I don't know. I think it, so it changes. So it's, it started out dry and then became more and more like outlandish kind of thing. Um, I can see that. That's like, I mean, minus Steve Carell's character. Um, yeah, no, it definitely started out dry. Yeah, my friend also thought the show got better when Steve Carell left. And he likes Steve Carell, but he just, I don't know, he thought the other characters really came in to shine. That's a funny thing. Everybody is like, wait, no, Steve Carell's the reason why the show was good. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Yeah, like, I, I haven't watched it. That's, like, a few shows on my list ahead. But, uh, yeah, no, I always, I, I, love, I love Steve Carell. I think he's hilarious. Like, I'll watch anything because of Steve Carell. Even that Space Force show that's gotten, like, kind of bad reviews. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's talk about that. That came out recently. Did you watch it? I finished no. it already. Uh, I did not watch it because I heard bad reviews. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess no spoiler review. Um, if you understand politics to a degree, you'll find it amusing. They had one anime joke where I was dying at because I understood it. Mm, other, other than that, um, it's play in the background. Okay, I can see that. Like good background noise. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Like, that's yeah. it's not groundbreaking in any I sense of the it. word. You know, it's a better comedy to invest your time in. <laughs> what? What we do in the shadows. Have you heard of that? <laughs> no. 
It's uh, basically a picture of The Office, but with vampires. <laughs> it's oh like God. that kind of style with like like a camera, like doing the, you know, the typical thing where people do stuff and then they have like the camera interviewing them like off scene and they're like talking about what's going on. It's that, but with the House of Vampires. <laughs> How do you find these TV shows? I don't know, man. It's hard not to. They're just like, there's so many channels out there. There's so many ads for different things, but it's uh, Taika, you know, Taika Waititi, right? Yes. So it's actually, he made a movie called What We Do in the Shadows before Thor Ragnarok. And it's basically the same kind of humor, that same kind of improv. And like, he's got uh, one of the guys from Flight of the Conquered. So, cause they're both from New Zealand and he's in it too. So uh, they made a show with like a different cast and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really fucking funny. Like <laughs> there's uh like, they got like the four Transylvanian vampires types of accents. And then there's, they call, um, I forget the character's name, but picture like a bald, like office looking dude who talks about as boring as possible. And his whole MO is he's that, uh, he's a life sucking vampire. So he doesn't look like a vampire at all. It doesn't have vampire fangs, but what he does is he's so goddamn boring that he sucks your energy. So everybody he talks to, he'll be saying stuff like, yeah, I got my, uh, my cat got a little, uh, she got a little toy last weekend and then uh, she's been having fun, you know, just like talking the most boring cadence and then everybody goes to sleep and he like feeds off. <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, it's a really good show. I think you should check it out at least like one episode. You might, I All think right. you did. All right. Send me a link later. All right, cool. So anyways, about 20 minutes later, we should uh, get into our topic here. With that said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our topic. Um, so, uh, with this episode, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Um, I kind of thought of some kind of open-ended questions that people put out there. You know, there's no real right or wrong answer. There's kind of ongoing debates about these questions. So, this uh, might be a recurring segment where we just take a few of those questions that we think are interesting and give our personal takes on it. So, uh, we got three lined up for this episode. Um, we're just going to give our takes on them and uh, just kind of you know, what other people say, what we personally think, and uh, I don't know, maybe uncover some truth. How does that sound, Joe? I, said, I think it sounds great. I think this is All one right. of the few times where we're, we're going to be serious, where we don't include current events. I mean, minus the part where I talk about, like, Asian-American identity. But, yeah, this is one of the other few times where we are going to be serious about something, which is when you proposed it, I was like, I'd think about it, and I'm like, oh, Vince talked about something serious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like serious in a still lighthearted way you can have like it's not like it's not like talking about anything too too real but anyways um excuse me uh first question what is selling out selling out so we've heard that term you know like oh like i like this band and then they signed to a major label and then they sold out and they suck now me in like you know like everybody like debates what exactly constitutes selling out like if you like write a song that's more popular does that mean you sell out if you kind of like had Pharrell producing your album does that mean you sold out um if you take the money and don't enjoy what you're doing does that mean you sold out so uh I don't know do you have any strong opinions there Jeff so my opinion is so selling out really doesn't necessarily have to also work with like bands and such like that I think it really can go out to like your own um your own personal beliefs right and so one example of what I'm saying is for me, it's like I fundamentally hate Facebook as a company, even though I use Messenger religiously because that's the best way to communicate with people. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't mind working for Facebook because I like money and I, in the sense of it buys a lot of things that I want. You work for Facebook? <laughs> no, but I mean like um, if You're I were supporting to get, Facebook, I, I can't support Facebook publicly kind of thing as like I fundamentally hate mark zuckerberg and i think he's basically a lying 
manipulative robot AI leech alien thing. But at the same time, like I wouldn't mind working for Facebook because they have so many nice amenities and they pay pretty well. They overpay a lot of their employees. If you think about it. Um, So in that sense, like I would consider that as selling out, you're basically digressing from your own personal beliefs. So like with, with respect to art, I think for people who are, uh, let's say they, they're indie artists, they're self-produced, whatever, right? And they decide to sign with a big label. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's considered selling out. But the second that they start digressing, so it's like, oh, our label told us to start doing um, more, uh, whatchamacallit, self-image type songs as opposed to um, love songs or whatever, right? Yeah. And I would consider that selling out. But if you just sign with a label, and you're still producing the same content that you were always before. I don't think that's selling out. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting too. rise against, you know, my favorite band. Uh, I was listening to a few podcasts with a singer and he was talking like, cause you know, they're a punk rock band. So they come from those beginnings of like, we never want to sign to a major label and they would like give their friends and other punk band shit when they signed to a major label. But um, he basically said uh, he had an experience around their third album where um, he kind of, learned that like of the benefits of a major label and like he met with like a record executive who we thought was going to be you know one of those like big business suit like doesn't care about you just wants your money type of thing and uh he met with them and they were totally not like that it was like the same kind of upbringing he had like same kind of like they love punk rock they kind of like going to those shows they like support the same kind of like industry and ideas so he kind of met with like a record executive who was you know of his same mindset and um because of like signing with them they were able to like get you know get their music out to a wider platform and what was really interesting was that the two songs that kind of first broke them were one was called give it all i'm sure you know that song right mm-hmm. yeah from and, uh, yeah swing life away you know that's the first, oh, i like, love that song <laughs> that's the first ballad rise against song you know the first acoustic song but yeah. it's interesting because those two songs were the first ones that like broke them big but those songs had actually already been made prior to Siren Song of the uh, Counterculture, the album that it was on. And uh, because of the, like, so the, it's like kind of like you could write this song and no one hears it and you think, okay, I guess this is not that successful of a song. But then just because you expose it to more people, then you get this huge following because of that. So it's kind of showed him like the power of like, you know, a good um, record label, what they can do for you. So in that case, like some could say, some high, like, die hard hardcore like punk rock fans could say oh they totally sold out by even signing but at the same time if you're putting out the same music and it's just getting you a wider audience that can you you can really benefit from and play bigger shows and make more music and get more you know sponsorships and more ability to write music then i think that's like the way to do it i think also yeah so that's the thing is that like sometimes um at least for like religion right so like steph curry stuff like that so certain athletes they may not necessarily um they may use their like stardom platform right to like share uh about their beliefs because a lot of people wouldn't listen to like okay you're just a random person but like for a lot of celebrities they use their platform whether it be for religion whether it be for um what you call it for like personal benefit not personal uh, uh humanitarian effort so like leonardo dicaprio right he's major he uses his platform for a lot of what you call it environmental stuff so it's like they're using their wealth, they're using their platform to do good things as well. So it's like, quote unquote, selling out can lead to the same benefits like as Rise Against Leonardo DiCaprio and Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a huge difference between like using your platform and just getting your mission statement out versus like 
changing directly changing what you want to do because somebody's offering you a lot of cash and like i think the artists that i like are the ones that never think i want to write the song because the fans want this the artists that i always like are the ones that like i write the music that i want to hear and i think that shines through because if you're ever trying to please everyone you're obviously never going to do that so you might as well just do you and try to like make the most you voice that like everyone can hear and you know hopefully people connect to it so yeah Sounds like Linkin Park because no, everybody actually, hates was, their new stuff. I was going to bring that up too because I was curious. Do you think at any point, because you're, you're bigger for them than me, like I casually like their stuff. I still dig like Hybrid Theory and Meteor are the best, like a lot of people. But uh, I don't know. What's your opinion? At any point, do you think they sold out? Like, I think to a degree they probably did try to sell out in the sense of like they digress from their original music. But the thing is that if a lot of their interviews, they always want to experiment. And they've even had like a parody where it's like, oh, let's make a meteor version of this one slow song. And then at the end, Chester Bennington was like, there's your fucking like new metal crap. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah, so it's Linkin Park, I think it's like it's a little bit more it's not complicated. I think it's just simply like who doesn't want to experiment something pop culture so that they can make a little bit more money. But yeah. at the same time, at, at the end of the day, I don't think they were selling out. They were just experimenting because they didn't exactly do pop. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think so experimenting in a band is definitely that's something I always support for the most part. It obviously varies a little depending on the band. I always use the example of Metallica because you know <laughs> I can relate anything to Metallica. Um but there so Metallica have you heard of the band Slayer? Yes. Yeah. So Metallica and Slayer are kind of it's kind of like the perfect A B experiment because they both started out at the same time in like nineteen eighty three. Um, and they both had five albums over the course of the decade up until 1991. And they're both essentially considered the, ba- uh, the best uh, bands of their genre, which was thrash metal. They're like the biggest bands for sure of that genre. And, you know, thrash metal is essentially like heavy metal with like really sped up um, kind of punk rock energy to it. And it was, you know, most popular in the 80s. And they're like the perfect A-B experiment in that one, like same controlled scenario, same kind of, you know, starting lineup of four members you know guitar player uh two guitar players bass player drummer both like heavy upbeat like loud metal but one band from the get-go was all about like we're gonna do what we want to do and that doesn't like if that means like switching it up and trying something new on an album we're gonna try new things the other band was like we have one set sound and we're gonna stick to it and we're not gonna change because our fans want to hear this distinct sound and it's one thing to say that and then just, you know, fall off the grid. But I swear to God, both bands stuck to that so hard, like all throughout the years, like Slayer is the band that never changed from the get go. They've always been about like fast, intense music, like really crazy, like really dark, really evil, really angry. And they never strayed away from that. They never had like a, you know, a minutes to midnight or a, a one more life. Was that the last Lincoln Park album? Yes. Yeah. They never had their version of that. Like Metallica is the exact opposite where, they, at multiple points in their career, they've had people accuse them of selling out. Like even their second album, they had a song uh, with an acoustic guitar on it and write like a, like not a full on ballad, but like softer moments that build up to something heavier. And people accuse them of selling out, like even from the get go from that, just for having an acoustic guitar on there. Um, and then all throughout their career, they've been trying, they tried new things, you know, they experimented when they released Enter Sandman. Um, and songs like Nothing Else Matters, that was a slower, more like public accessible song. Cause like you've heard Understand Man, right? I love it. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is like for the hardcore crowd who got into Metallica, they thought that was like the biggest selling out and biggest betrayal because Metallica weren't playing like at a million miles an hour and they were like more of a publicly accessible band. So that's actually a huge like 
matter of division for fans. Like some people think the Black uh, Black Album, which is the album that had Enter Sandman in those songs, is like like a huge sellout, and Metallica just like went mainstream. And then some people think it's them, but they just wrote great songs. So um, yeah. So with Metallica, I think they're exp- I respect their experimentation. There's time. There's things I've liked more than others, but I don't know. It's just interesting comparing the different like ideologies and bands. Yeah, so that's the thing is that when it comes to art, it's like, well, at the end of the day, right, um, you kind of have to trust. I mean, we take it with a grain of salt, but also trust as much as you can and given the information they have if they're experimenting or they are selling out. So, like, the thing is that with bands, I feel like it's difficult for bands nowadays to, quote, unquote, sell out. But I think it's a lot easier for what you call it, anybody doing mainstream music to sell out. Yeah, I think at least if I could, like, summarize it in a two-sentence MO, you know, like – for me, selling out is if you ever do anything you don't want to do just for the paycheck. Like if you think I'm going to write this because I think it'll appeal to more people and I don't really like what I'm doing, but it'll get me that, you know, all those zeros on the paycheck. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think it's pretty simple, but everyone has their own different, different definition of selling out. And like, even like black, you know, the black keys, right? Yes. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they used to turn down like offers to put their music on like commercials, like for, I don't know, milk or, fucking i don't know don't name any product they turned down like huge paychecks for that to have their songs included in there just because they thought it'd be selling out so i don't know everyone has their different definition but that's my definition oh my gosh but money anyways (laughs) exactly yeah so that's i guess pause (laughs) next topic uh do you want to that was as smooth as you could possibly get uh do you want to do the uh you want to lead the philosophical one no i kind of want to leave that at the end just because right. that kind of wraps things up. <laughs> okay, going down the road. Uh, I'll introduce this one then. So, kindness. We all do kind things, right? Right, Jeff? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Some more than others. I'll leave that up to the uh, judge, <laughs> the viewer. Um, yeah, so I always kind of wondered, you know, when, a long time ago when I was a kid, I remember I held the door open for an old lady once, and then she said, you're a very, very nice boy. <laughs> and I always wondered – Am I really? Does this lady just have the ultimate judge of who I am as a person? Has she seen the terrible things I've done? Has she seen the you know not so great things I've done? Everything in between. She just labeled me with this thing. But is that who I really am? Maybe I only did it because I'm trying to save myself the discomfort of if I selfishly like didn't hold the door open for her and it would just be uncomfortable to watch her do that. Or maybe I just want the reputation of being a nice person because I know it'll benefit me later. So with that, with this scenario, I'm wondering is there any such thing as a truly altruistic action or is every nice thing we do really just a selfish way to keep our own reputation or just keep ourselves like in a good position? What do you think, Joe? <laughs> um, so this is what I believe. I think that it's, it's very difficult. I don't, I don't think it's impossible to have uh, purely you're doing it out of the genuine kindness of your heart. I think it's definitely plausible. Like, why else do we have people like Mother Teresa, Gandhi, um, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that more often than not, people naturally are not. People naturally are selfish. I think greed is probably the biggest thing. And like you said, it's nowadays. Why do we do kind things to people? Sometimes, as a child, it may just be like, "Oh, I want to do nice things," or because my mommy told me to. And then nowadays, it's like you said, it's. Uh, I'm going to do this so I don't get an earful later by somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Karens of the world, if you will, or the Susans of the world. <laughs> um, 
uh, the joke right now is like Susan's an older version of a Karen. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's, that's the thing is that like, I think at the end of the day is that people will do things because they are selfish and they are greedy for the most part. I think it is possible, just rare, where it's genuinely altruistic, right? Um, and that's, and people like, that's the thing is like, oftentimes, like I, I'm actually kind of skeptical about people who are in healthcare, especially after I met them in college. Cause I'm like, you're kind of an asshole in college. Why are you in healthcare? <laughs> yeah. Cause like people who are in healthcare generally, at least like friends who like personal friends who are in healthcare is cause they are genuinely nice people. Mm-hmm. But for some people who I met in college, I'm like, I drank with you. I don't trust you. <laughs> um, and so it's like, okay, well, that's great. I mean, every now and then you may hear somebody who's like, I only became a doctor because my mom told me to, or I'm doing it for the money. Like there's some personal gain to it. Um, yeah, that's another good thing. Like do a lot of people do like, does, like how many people have uh, the like healthcare professionals who go into being a nurse, a doctor, a surgeon, et cetera. How many of them think like, okay, I'm doing this because the paycheck is so goddamn hefty. And I guess if I help people, that's nice too. Yeah, so it's like I have a a friend who's in a a friend's sibling who mentioned to me she's like yeah, my sibling said they would regret they regret going to med school because so much work. Yeah, so it's like at that at that point it was like because was it some external influence whether it be parental or money driven or is it because you that person genuinely was wanted to save lives. Um, so it's kind of like that. So every time I like when I get to know a person, like why are they in healthcare? Then I'm kind of really curious why. Um, but with that said, it's at the end of the day, like my, my argument for people not being genuinely kind is this at the end of the day, um, if I were to put all your thoughts that you've ever thought in the past forever onto a big screen for everybody to see, like showing your browser history on your internet Mm-hmm. do you want that ever to be shown at yeah. the end of the day for the most part people probably say actually everybody would say no because at the end of the day people are not altruistic for the most part yeah bill burr has a good uh, bit about that he's like if everyone if every job could download all of your thoughts onto a hard drive that was public would anyone still have a job monday morning <laughs> wait isn't bill burr a guy that's super like anti-religious uh, he's a little bit of a mix, honestly. He's, oh, uh, no, I'm getting that mixed up with the old white dude who's dead. Never mind. Oh, George Carlin? <laughs> yeah, I got that mixed up. Yeah, I brought him up a few weeks ago on the podcast, you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got that mixed, because he's anti-religious. Oh, uh, dude, he's the most, like, gung-ho, like, religion is bullshit type of guy. It's funny, because, like, a lot of my Christian circles, that's a lot of argument where we would make when people say, like, or what if, like, people are not bad? And then that's usually the argument that I use. And then people usually are like, that's not fair. Yeah. I don't know. Like, at least for me, sometimes one thing I've always wondered too, is like, uh, I heard this, uh, there was a movie called black or white and, uh, it was about racism. And one of the, I'm not going to get into that, <laughs> but I'm just going to say one of the thoughts is like, it's not the first thing you think that's racist. It's the second, third and fourth thing. And by that, I mean like, so if you like, come across a situation where you have to do something like, I don't know, like, you know, you'll really be helping an old lady cross the street, but it's a huge inconvenience to you, but you know, you have to do it. And your first thought is like, what if your first thought instantly is like, Oh, fuck her. She's, she's old anyway. She's got her time's coming soon. Right. But then 
that's your first initial gut reaction, but then you kind of take a second. You're like, okay, I know I can't actually let her die. If I have a, if I'm in a position where helping her across the street saves her life and I'm the person who can do that at the moment, then I have to do that. And that's your second, third and fourth thought. Like, are you still a good person because you ultimately kind of had the battle between your id and your superego and like said, okay, I'm going to help you. And I know I have to do this and I know it's the right thing. Or are you a bad person because your instant gut reaction was like, that ah, fucker, she's old, you know, type of thing. What I think is my mind operates the opposite where it's like, oh, I should probably help out. It's a nice thing to do. But then the second thing becomes like, oh, shoot. What if I get sued for being nice because they get hurt or something like that? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. But I guess <laughs> in that, like, if your instant gut reaction is bad, but then you rationalize and like later realize that you have to do the right thing and you ultimately do the right thing, are you still a bad person because your instant gut reaction was bad? What do you think? Uh, I think that becomes a complicated answer of like society really has conditioned us to be really terrible people because we are in the society because like uh, not to get into the next topic of nature versus nurture, but the media has done a lot. Society has done a lot to shape a lot of like our opinions. So like, why do we have these alternative thoughts? Right. They come Mm -hmm. from somewhere. Um, So it's like, okay, yeah, I think your first impression chances are it probably is your natural uh, uh, tendency. Mm -hmm. Right. But then, um, those second, third, and fourth thoughts are probably then based on, oh, past training, past conditioning for whatever reward or whatever punishment. Yeah. Um, so that I think that's the answer to that is, is a person truly bad or good? I think it's it can be decided by your first initial reaction. But then once you start rationalizing it, then it becomes like, oh, you probably at the end of the day are kind of a little fucked up. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder too, I'm like, like assuming if we're playing into, you know, if we're leading into the Catholic ideology of like God can hear and say everything. If, you know, there is this God up in the heavens that like hears every single thought and knows every single thing about you more than you know yourself. If he hears, you know, your gut reaction, which is terrible to something and not like altruistic and really selfish. And then he hears like the moments where you take time to like, think about like the situation, realize you have to do the good thing, the, you know, the right thing. Like, which one is he weighing more heavily? You know what I mean? Which one is the one that gets you into heaven? That's what I kind of, like, debate, too. If we're, like, looking – and not saying, you know, for all the – I don't know if anyone's an atheist out there. I'm not saying this is 100% the truth, but just saying if we're, like, playing into this ideology, what is deemed the right thing, I guess? And you would probably know this better because you're more religious. Um, I guess real quick about that is really – ultimately, it's kind of like what are you struggling, right? So it's – for a, for a Christian belief is that, yeah, everyone is sinful, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you can do, you have terrible thoughts. You're not, it's going to be difficult to stop that. It's going to require discipline, whatever. But we all know, God knows that it's imperfect. Everybody's imperfect. I think everybody, atheists can agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, what are you making that struggle to be a better person? Are you making that struggle to do, uh, to do good, right? To do better. And that's ultimately what it counts to. It's like, do you have a natural inhibition to want to do and strive for better? Yeah, you may fail, but at the end of the day, like that's that's the question. That's that's what's being weighed. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, so that's the thing is that for a question of like, is of our thoughts naturally like, where are they at? I think it's 
it's a little more complicated and that gets to the nature versus nurture, which I want to save next time. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like the idea also of like how to deem a good or bad person. I think this kind of ties in a, a little bit of, you know, recent events and just kind of the, the state of social media, just people are so quick to like stamp you as good or bad, just for like one thing you do. And I feel like one thing that's kind of forgotten is like how goddamn complex people are. There's so many goddamn facets of just human beings. Like one example is um, a movie, Grant's, you ever see Grant's Reno? Love it. <laughs> so you might relate to this. So Grant's Reno, um, Clint Eastwood, you know, racist <laughs> veteran is the basic story is his wife has died. He's kind of like at a really jaded, cynical point in his life. His uh, family are really kind of, Inscrupulous, no scrupulous. Uh, I don't know how to say that. What's the word with scrupulous? No scruples. Anyways, scrupulous. Yeah, inscrupulous people who uh, only want his money. They don't really care about him, and he's just kind of bitter and grumpy and just kind of like grump, like grunting at the world. And then he meets the family next door, and he's overtly racist to him. He says really like racist Asian stuff to him. And nowadays, if you say that, I mean, okay, how how quickly would that guy be fired from every single job? Like one. Good thing he's retired. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If, like, but how many people would like be like starting a hashtag like like cancel Clint Eastwood? You know, if, if imagine Clint Eastwood actually said those things, like like everybody would instantly label him as the worst type of person. He's perpetuating evil in this world, you know. But then he's a terrible person. But he's actually like becomes friends with the people while still saying overtly racist things to him. And then by the end of the movie, he does the biggest sacrifice in that he sacrifices himself so that he protects his neighbors and gets the their, the antagonist in jail. And he also gives all of his, like, money to the people. I mean, <laughs> so, it's so, like, I feel like people don't factor that in. They're just so quickly, like, able to stamp someone with good or bad, like, evil. And there's no in-between. There's no nuance. So it's hard for me to instantly, like, label people. I mean, there's some obvious cases where, you know, okay, that person, <laughs> I think it's safe to say Hitler wasn't a great guy. <laughs> but... Uh, you know for like everyday people like us who just have you know do good things fuck up a lot and have a lot of in between it's just there's so nuanced I feel like nobody has an appreciation for that you know I think the easiest way to kind of like show the human one way to show the human condition is when you donate to a homeless person mm -hmm. um, so let's say you, like, you donate a few bucks to a homeless person um, it's the, the then your mind comes up with is he what you call it going to use it for drugs or is he going to use it for food for clothes yeah um that becomes a question then the question then becomes also with you can also go outside of that it's like okay well what if i bought food for the person directly well mm -hmm. some i've heard that some homeless people because they're so used to eating uh, garbage that their stomach has a hard time digesting certain foods now mm -hmm. so that becomes an issue mm -hmm. um so it's like what do you do right and then now, especially with COVID, um, it's like, do I give money to this person off the streets uh, when I'm driving? Like, if I'm driving, they're staying on the island on the side. Do I want to, like, interact with this person in close quarters to give them money kind of thing? Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm also kind of – right now, everybody's trying to stay – for the most part, trying to stay away from each other. And so that becomes a whole issue of, like, are you genuinely kind or nice with just this little gesture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, an, I'm glad you brought up that example about homeless people too, because that's another classic example of like, am I doing something because I care or am I doing something to benefit my own self? Because at least for me personally speaking, 
like I'm an introvert and then when I'm like usually out in like the city or anywhere I like just kind of having my headphones in and then plugging away from the world you know and if a homeless person comes up to me I always try to avoid them and like not make eye contact and not have the conversation because I think we've all been in that situation where somebody gives a super long spiel of like you know I just came in from another state I really uh, my family's not here it's just you know really really long um, stories that people will tell you and you know some are bullshit and some are true and just the discomfort of just having to deal that I almost want to just throw a $20 at them so they can stop I almost want to like midway through just give them a 20 be like okay don't bug me you know <laughs> and that's a you know one could say I did the good thing you know I gave the money but the fact that I said don't bug me and I have no care about their story uh, and I'm a little jaded to whether or not it's true it makes me a bad person so I think that's a classic example too I think also one personal experience that I've had is uh, I was walking around the Tenderloin in San Francisco area and I had a box that was uh, to go from leftover foods from work. I'm like, sweet. I have dinner for the uh, weekend. Um, and I left it aside uh, as I was talking to somebody and then uh, a person who didn't seem like he had it all together, took my box, ripped it open and threw it on the ground in the rain. Wow. And so it, it becomes like, I probably would have been okay if he took it and ate it kind of thing but then yeah so then becomes it's like oh shoot now i'm kind of being in my mind going back on that question it's like well this guy's kind of an asshole i don't really going to be very selective on who i help then that becomes like a question of well are you being actually genuinely kind but if you're being selective that becomes an issue of morality yeah and yeah there's also one example like i was in uh portland oregon you've been to portland right love it yeah and um you've been to voodoo donuts they're overrated <laughs> but you've had them right yes yeah so that was like i went with christine um and that was one of our like highlights of the trip we kept talking about the voodoo donuts and we we're like excited for them like ooh, what's it gonna be like and then we're waiting in a pretty long line we finally like i don't know the line took like 30 minutes and that was kind of something we kept talking about on the trip like we're gonna try them so we get four donuts we're standing outside like with the donuts and then like all like perfectly like after all this weight and hype and anticipation been ready for him and we're about to eat him and this uh he looked homeless i'm not i'm, I'm not gonna totally assume he was but he just kind of looked scrounging he had a bottle of wine with him too so i get the impression he was like doing a similar kind of panhandling around but he was just like we had keep in mind four donuts and he was like can i have a donut like not even any request for a donation not like can i have anything you could give me not even like, can I have a piece of the donut? Like, can I have 25% of the shit you just like waited for? And that's like a situation I have to admit, I was just like, some situations just catch you off guard and you're just like, uh, like, I don't, I, I didn't expect this and I don't know how to react. <laughs> and I kind of didn't, I just paused. And then ultimately, like we said no. And we we're like, uh, we've, you know, we've kind of been like waiting for this for a while. So I think we kind of just want to enjoy it. And then he had this like such a dick condescending vibe. He was just like, really? That's what the world's like today. And it's like also like yeah really you can't just like go like demanding shit from people and then like condescend to them when they don't give it to you so just to kind of like defuse the situation and not like have him i don't know get weird or anything and just have him fuck off really quickly i gave him like the tiniest i was like all right if i give you a tiny piece will you fuck off <laughs> like i didn't say it like that but like that kind of vibe um and so i gave him like the tiniest piece of a donut and he went away but um yeah so that's one example of like i don't know sometimes there's a fine line between like what you should give and like where you should kind of draw the line and like kind of, I don't know, stand up. Yeah. And that's, that's where, I mean, going back to the question, right. Are our actions truly altruistic? It's, I think it goes back to my original answer. I, after 
us discussing for the last like 15, 20 minutes <laughs> is, is that like, I think it's possible. I think, but it's rare because mm-hmm. there's so many things that we have to consider with all of this because the world made itself so friggin' complicated. Yeah. And like nowadays, like do people donating to all the charities that you've seen, like another question that comes up is like, okay, what if somebody is a pretty wealthy celebrity uh, or just anyone wealthy and they really don't give a shit about causes going on nowadays, but they notice everybody on social media is donating. So they think, okay, I'll just throw 50 grand to this charity. And they don't think anything of it. They only do it so they can publicly post it and kind of have people know that, hey, I donated 50K to this charity. And then maybe somebody who didn't have the financial means but cares genuinely about that only donated like, I don't know, a thousand dollars. Um, like, I think it's, it, that's like one of those weird dichotomies where it's like, yes, that 50 K is going to do a lot more than the one K, but the, per, the intentions behind the person did it were only to satisfy their own, like, kind of like their own reputation for the public. So it's like a heathens pray in public t- kind of situation, you know? It's funny. Cause there's a Bible verse literally all about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I said, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I quote that all the time. Cause I think that is so much of social media nowadays. I've seen like receipts that people like show for what they donated i'm like okay what good does that do honestly like you're showing you're it's, it's, it's the most like like i'm trying to clear my own ass it's like just show like a charity that you want to support you don't need to show your goddamn receipt to show okay i did this i'm good don't bug me you know it's funny yeah so it's kind of bring adding on to that is that actually two things i want to add on to that is um yeah no social media has become a lot a lot of that people are staging a lot of their pictures given the current state of the affairs of the world to show I, I am doing my part in helping it and they dip. Um, now I get into the specifics of it, but also people have photoshopped certain images into their Instagram profile pictures to say, Hey, I'm doing my part to help X, Y, and Z cause. Mm-hmm. Um, and also to add on to like just donating to charity stuff. It's funny. Cause like companies like Goodwill and such like that, the CEOs at the top makes 200, $300,000. Mm-hmm for what should be a non-profit and a lot of that money could be used for um which to help expand the quote-unquote their cause yeah so yeah there's also that on the behind the scenes so a lot of celebrities who are high profile they tend to have special meetings with uh charity organizers because they want to know where their money is going to like genuine people will also try to vet the organization before donating like all right, how much of this is going to your salary and how much of this is going to the people I'm trying to help? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that's something I didn't know. I didn't know until like I saw some movies because movies highlighted that. <laughs> I that, yeah. So, I don't know. Ultimately, I have really no conclusion about this. <laughs> what makes a good person? It's like, I don't know, there's a lot of factors, you know? I guess just just intentions and just, I just feel like there's a lot of phonies out there. Maybe I'm jaded, <laughs> but I feel like so many people confuse their own, um, trying to clear their own reputation with caring and they just have to show that they care so much. It kind of makes me sick. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, no, I agree. And it, I think at the same time, it's like ultimately what is like that person's heart ultimately like what is their condition? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, and that's hard to measure. So I guess my basic conclusion of this as much as you can would be people are complicated <laughs> that's all i could say fair all yeah. right all right cool next topic next. You want to introduce that all right so this is something that i'm always like i hate the concept of philosophy i think it's stupid 
<laughs> but Stupid. other people may have a different opinion because that's for some reason a degree in just about every single university in the United States. I don't know yeah. why, but yeah. does the study of philosophy ever lead to answers or simply more questions? What do you think, Vince? <laughs> um, I will admit a lot of it does seem like it is just kind of like intellectual fodder. It's almost like people get this like fetish of like never answering a question. <laughs> it's like, they just love saying yes, but, and then that's not actually the way to look at it, you know? And I mean, ultimately you can, you know, devolve anything down to it's subjective. It's opinionated. That's kind of like the lazy man's argument. But, um, yeah, I will admit, I took one philosophy class, philosophy of art <laughs> at a, my junior college way back in the day. And I will admit it was more challenging than I thought. I guess there was, uh, like some, I would have to go to my office hours sometimes to like make sure I had concepts down with my professor, but it was actually kind of fulfilling. It was actually like kind of cool talking it out. So it's like, it's almost fun in a way. And I, by the end of the class, I did feel like there was some kind of consistency in thoughts and it wasn't so much of answers of like, we're going to answer this. It's more so much like taking key figures and understanding perspectives and being able to apply those perspectives to like major events and say, this is such and such's perspective. This is the way such and such would view it. And that's kind of interesting. And that's kind of like a way to kind of view life. So I would say, I don't know. It does. It definitely does add more questions, but at the same time, I see some consistency. Thank for my overall opinion of philosophy is that I think, I think it's a good topic. I think it's good to have, especially for, uh, for things of like trying to empathize with others or sympathize, whatever mm -hmm. word you want to use. Um, Both. It's a good conversation for when you're trying to find a uh, significant other, because you would hope that you guys have the similar philosophy of certain things. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think when it becomes like, this actually is a niche, this actually becomes a whole full on like, oh no, this is a necessity. We must have a degree in this. This is like a full on like science. Like when she, once you put it on that kind of pedestal, that's where I'm like, no, you're what is something so abstract and so subjective that you're purposely making it complex in a way to justify it. I can see that, but and, yeah. And for, for me, it's like from people who did, I never took a philosophy class because of all the horror stories I heard from other people where it's like, yeah, I just literally just played to the teacher as what you call it. Um, uh, a bias to get an A. Otherwise, the, I really disagree with everything in the class. Mm. And so that's what ultimately became of like the study of it. So it's to me, it's like it's become such a on that pedestal. What about, so hypothetically, if you wanted to be a lawyer, I'm not sure if you ever wanted to be a lawyer. I did. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you ever think philosophy would benefit you like during that time or did it ever come to mind? Whatever will help me win the case to manipulate it. Okay. Cause I feel like, at least for me, not doing any research and Googling this right now to get caught up, but it seems like philosophy lends itself at least kind of not the worst um, trajectory into law because you know, it is a lot of the same kind of like taking theories and types of thinking and applying them. So if you get in the habit of that and like familiar with how to do that and really comfortable with that, it seems like it would lend itself naturally to law. Um, but yeah, let's see. Um, from what I've learned from Jeff, Jeff Winger in the in community, you can make an argument about anything. You just got to know which arguments to use. <laughs> yeah, true. And 
Let's see. So according to statistics, 2,294 law school applicants majored in philosophy. The average acceptance rate was 86%, and the average LSAT score was just below 158. That seems pretty good, right? <laughs> I, don't I don't remember what is considered a good LSAT score. Well, for the acceptance rate, at least 86%, that's good, right? I guess. Yeah. Most people usually major in uh, – I thought people just mostly majored in poli-sci. Yeah, no, it does seem like poli-sci is the biggest one. I've heard some English majors. Uh, some English, some history. Yeah. That's interesting about the English thing. I was surprised by that. Wow, actually, it's just like psychology. Some people who majored in psychology go to law school. Hmm, makes sense. It's but, a lot of because that's the thing is like law is like because it's a little bit of everything what we just said in order to because you need to know a lot to know how to manipulate because you're looking at a lot of past cases and a lot of precedents. Yeah, to support your cause, support your uh, arguments, and mm-hmm. that's ultimately what it is. Which I think, which is why law is so interesting but yeah yeah that's a good another point going back to philosophy i kind of wonder too if you could take every single uh, like major philosopher like how many out there are like genuine philosophers who like use a specific style of thinking to answer questions and then how many out there like just take advantage of like the like trying to be vague and like never any questions just to kind of make a career off it and just kind of have fun with it you know, like the people you're kind of like targeting and not like a like a fan of. What's the percentage of genuine philosophical people versus not genuine and just like trying to gimmick make a gimmick off it? You know, dude, we're freaking millennials. Everybody's trying to be philosoph- philosophical. <laughs> yes, but I mean, like, the, I'm talking about the people who like make their career on it. You know, like, okay, like I always say, stand-up comedians are philosophical in a way because they take their style of thinking and make it humorous. You know, and like how to live life. It's a, like, philosophy of life just with comedy a lot of times. But, like, I don't know. What do you think, like, the people who, like, actually, like, have a career in philosophy, how many of them are genuine? What would you say? Ballpark. <laughs> I, to be honest, have a hard time grasping the question just because I don't know anybody who's a philosopher except people who are teachers. Uh, and then, then, then my answer is, well, they're biased and they just want to preach their belief. I think there's a lot of people who like have a career as a philosopher or like, you know, try to teach like, I don't know, philosophical professors or philosophical. I don't know. That is a good question. actually. How do you you just become philosopher as a profession? Do you just write books and people listen to them? Yeah. So it's like back then you would have like Plato, Socrates, those are philosophers or um, a scholar or something like that. That's not really a thing nowadays. Uh, Usually that's just academia. Uh, you're a teacher and then just going back off my personal experience of people who've taken philosophy classes at my alma mater which is uc davis Mm -hmm. for the most part it was biased as long as you write to that professor's bias you get an a if you go against him he's going to critique you so much more Mm. and so then you gotta have a teacher who like welcomes like you know diverse opinions yeah so then when people ask me or when yeah so off not often, but like the rare occasions that people do ask me like, Oh, what do you think of philosophy? It's all bias. And that's why I never took a course. Cause well, one, I sucked at writing Two, Why do I need to listen to some, why do I want to pay to listen to somebody's like reasoning when I completely disagree and I'm just going to probably flip my table. Uh, at least for me, I wouldn't say it's like, what was the thing you just said a minute ago? Like it's all, Oh, the reason why I didn't take a philosophy course is because 
professors are biased as hell. So which goes back to the question of like, what do I think of like philosophers as a profession? What do they do? I think it's, they're just jaded and they're just doing whatever they want to do. I wouldn't, yeah, personally, I wouldn't say they're all biased. I mean, I mean, everyone's biased when you technically look into it, but I think there are open-minded ones, but I think some just like think they have a unique perspective that's really beneficial to look at. And I think at least a good philosopher, I have a hard time thinking, I mean, there are certainly like bad philosophy uh, professors out there, I'm sure who like don't welcome as much like conversation and open discussion, but I don't know. I would say it doesn't seem like a majority are that way. I have to, I would assume that like the majority of philosophers are genuine and they, they actually study the world and think that they can, they have really sound principles that they want to support. And maybe like the fact that they have counter arguments to if anyone ever like, you know, has a critique on them, isn't a sign of them being biased. It's a sign of them being kind of open-minded and um, just kind of wanting to support their stances on things. But I don't know. It is interesting though. I mean, I kind of wonder, do philosophers just write books? <laughs> like, do they just write books and sell a lot of money nowadays? Like, who, I want to meet, we need another guest who's like a modern day philosopher and we need to interview them just about what they do. What do you do? How do you put food on the table? Yeah, exactly. Like, I looked up, Googled the most, main, the most famous modern philosopher. Do you have any guess who it would be? <laughs> um... She was like one guy who's trying to be a comedian, but he's more of a political commentator. That's right. Jeff Winger. No, <laughs> no uh, it's George Carlin. Who? George Carlin. <laughs> wait, is that the comedian that I was talking about? Yes. Oh, wait, that supports my argument. <laughs> Does it support your argument? Um, in a sense of like people just preaching what they want to believe and influence that as opposed to open-minded thinkers. True. Yeah, the real sign of a like person that I can respect is when they search for like when they're having a conversation, their end goal is truth and like learning things rather than winning. Because a lot of times, I think people when ego gets involved, people just want to win a debate. You know what I mean? They'll take stances that they know are wrong is because somebody is being smug to them or someone's super arrogant or just kind of gloat about it or they feel like they might lose their reputation, so they just want to win. You know? Yeah. No. So. I don't know why. I just felt like my point was just reinforced and all I want to say is mic drop, except my mic is really expensive. <laughs> Who does a mic drop on themselves? I did something really cool, by the way. Mic drop. <laughs> mic philosophy, drop for me. <laughs> my philosophy is that's dumb. <laughs> How about that? Your philosophy is dumb. <laughs> and this is what this is what happens in philosophy. People disagree <laughs> and just say other perspectives are dumb. Wait, we're reinforcing my stance still. <laughs> I was joking. I think it's, uh, we're idiots. We're not actual philosophers. <laughs> but are we? Uh, well, I think there's got to be a term for what we are. You know what I mean? Not, we're not legit philosophers. We just have opinions. We're dumbasses. We're millennials. <laughs> we're millennial dumbasses. <laughs> yeah, I can agree with that. Okay. So uh, what's our conclusion? <laughs> <laughs> we're millennial dumbasses. That's it. Oh, what is my conclusion? I think that it's, philosophy i think started out as like uh a way to discover it, it it started out as a way to talk about like truths and such like that i think it did start out in such a manner but i think right now with given current state of affairs it's become obsolete as a full-on quote-unquote study right mm -hmm. um and now 
in order to stay relevant, people have to have a controversial opinion and they stand by a gun ho. And then that doesn't really become philosophy anymore. It just becomes, you're just a commentator or you're a consultant or some other C word. Cunt. <laughs> Actually, that didn't come to me until after I said it. But, um, <laughs> I was like zoned out and then I just heard some other C word and my brain instantly perks up. <laughs> I was like, consultant or like whatever commentator i was like another c word what could we go with that yeah oh right too late i already said it um but yeah no so that's that's what it becomes and and nowadays it's it's i think it's one of those things where it's like i think it should be required to take one course in general philosophy uh that covers like a like art uh politics uh ethics religion whatever right in general as a summary but to become a study a full focus a full niche that must be carved out in such a manner i don't agree with that mm, and because because i don't i think it does raise a lot of uh going back on the root question i think it does raise a lot more questions because the actual concept of philosophy is to keep questioning right and find the moral gray areas and say well look at this perspective well look at that perspective you're not wrong you're not right um but i think it's a good conversation starter good talk but that's about it do you think there should be a class in it but it shouldn't be like a legit career for people to just say i'm a philosopher yeah and it shouldn't be concrete because it's so beyond abstract it's like paintings paintings is a form of expression paintings are a form of uh depicting the times right yeah that actually that actually has something a little bit a basis whereas philosophy it's well you got considered to this era this type of thinking but then also this current perspective of that person's experience and this and this and that Mm -hmm. it's even more abstract and so it will be i think it it raises more questions it doesn't conclude anything because everything is subjective but given current state of affairs it's digressed completely from that mm-hmm. and so real philosophy yes it raises more questions than answers what society has bastardized it to basically it's just i just want to be on my soapbox listen to me yeah for a lot of people like anything people can take advantage of a career and just make it bullshit like yeah Yeah, I meant to bring this up earlier, but Joel Osteen came to mind. (laughs) Do you know Joel Osteen? Yes. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Yes, even the Christian community hates him. Yeah, I meant to bring him up earlier with the altruistic thing because, you know, he claims to be this, like, oh, God is great, God is good, blah, blah, blah. And then he, like, has all this fucking money, like, way more than everyone. I'm like, do you really need that money? If you're a great person, why don't you just have, like, a humble, I don't know, two-bedroom house? And not to be, like, a socialist who's thinking, you know, we should all, like, not, we should all share the wealth type of thing, but just, like, I don't know. If you're claiming to be this great humanitarian, wouldn't a thought to mind being like, huh, maybe I don't need a mansion. <laughs> yeah. So that a couple of points to that is that a lot of mega churches, the issue with a lot of these mega churches is, is because of um, they, a lot of them are preaching something called the prosperity gospel. And that's basically, if you give me money, God will make you rich. Uh, a lot of people were like really prey on that. So you have pastors that are like, I fly a G6 for the sake of God. Mm. <laughs> and so these are and so that's like okay well that's not exactly great but then again i've had uh, stories people told me of uh our current our my current church where there's a pastor in the past where he didn't have a car and somebody mm. donated him in the church donated him a bmw that they didn't need anymore mm. 
Wow. And then, so then it becomes a question of like, well, shouldn't you sold it and bought a different car or like, well, it was a donation. It was like from a person. Makes like, me want to become a pastor now if I get cars. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it becomes like, okay, well, is that morally okay for him to even drive a Beamer as a pastor? Yeah. But he just didn't have a car before he needed one because his broke down. Yeah. I kind of, the reason I brought up Joel Osteen too is when you brought up like how there's, you know, people who bastardize a name of a profession. I always think like specifically with philosophy, I thought of Joel Osteen as somebody who bastardizes the name of like religion and it kind of is a bad sign. There's actually <laughs> like, yeah, every, no, that's a thing. Yeah. I can relate everything to a Metallica song, but there's a song called Leper Messiah, which is all about like, you know, TV and uh, evangelist. What's the word? <laughs> Evangelical. Uh, uh, evangelist. Yeah. Yeah. Who like, like just like talk about how much they need the money and are like not genuine and it's all about like like the chorus is uh send me money send me green heaven you will meet make a contribution and you'll get the better seat you know so i thought that was really potent about it evangelist now i remember how to pronounce it (laughs) yeah i do that so much with words i'm like i'm on the precipice of saying a really great word but i'm just sounding like more of an idiot because i just can't nail it (laughs) yeah and so there's that there's these mega churches that a lot of us actually do kind of look down upon because they're really it's a scam yeah, we would admit that they are a scam, and for us, it's like, thanks for dragging us in the mud too, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, there is a legit pastor that was like, I need you to donate more money because I need a G six for God, or G seven, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, it's scary just how much of the world is a scam. That could be an episode in itself, just all about different types of scamming out there. You know, like co knives. Go knives. <laughs> No, Cutco. The uh, you heard of vector marketing? Yeah, that. That was my friend. That was one of my friend's first jobs. He like, I came home and he was like trying to sell knives to my mom. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I got, I, I got a job with them and I got, I was super excited right off college, right, or right out of high school, <laughs> high school. And then like my family sat me down. It's one of the few times where they're actually very honest with me and like treat me like an adult and sat me down and talked about it. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> and then I quit the next day. <laughs> Yeah, it's scary out there, man. There's so many fucking scammers. Yeah, it's just, that's one thing that's disheartening, just how the world, you just can't trust it. You know, you want to trust everyone, but as you meet someone, and you're just so, you just, you always want to believe, you always want to trust someone, but then there's always that idea, are they just really good at, like, scamming and, like, really good at lying, you know? I don't know. Absolutely. Well, anyways, I think this this is a good place to wrap up. Thank you for listening. This is one of the few times we talk about some, uh, real life stuff a little bit more on a serious note we'll see what we talk about next week right vince yeah <laughs> that or maybe we'll do part two i don't know or save that for a little bit later yeah we'll with figure that, it out right after this call <laughs> with that said thank you for listening to the underpaid and underqualified podcast show with your host vince and jaw and please stay safe have a fantastic day bye bye <laughs>